Hi, I'm Nyla. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm really a compulsive overeater. And I know that I, I have had to deal with it since um, adolescence, at least. Well, probably even in my early childhood. I was born um, in Berkeley. Um, and at age 12, I was taken to a pediatrician and given um, what my mother wanted for me to have, which was diet pills. And in that era, diet pills were um, dexamils, dexedrine being an amphetamine, and Milltown, Mil dexamil, um, was the downer. Well, I learned how to take them all right. I started out with one a day, and then I climbed to two a day, um, and then it went to um, three a day. And I don't know how come, but by the time I was at, you know, at 16 and 17, I was taking about five a day, um, which was dangerous, actually, um, considering. Um, anyway, I was able to uh, withdraw from them um, somehow or another. I don't know how I knew to do this, but I knew that I needed to titrate my usage of this medication um, a little at a time, you know, two weeks between, you know, going from five to four to three, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to say that my addiction was very, um, I learned how to be very sneaky. I learned not to tell anybody. I learned how to go um, between one pharmacist to another to another, and they didn't have communication like computers nowadays. So um, it's amazing how I was able to get away with it and not have a heart attack. I mean, I was young, I was healthy. Um, so that was something that, I mean, those diet pills did not stop me from eating all the sugar and the carbs that I wanted, because um, that was my addiction, was to sugar. And um, thankfully, I was able to come to a halt with it, taking the diet pills. But it sent me um, into cigarettes, and then into beer, and then into alcohol. And also, I learned how to take other kinds of drugs and whatnot. So I was a really... Um, I just was on a circular path. I was on a treadmill of um, foods and whatever substance I needed to be able to prevent me from feeling my feelings because I learned how to go numb in my family. I was an only child of um, parents that were 40 years old when I came into um, their lives. Um, which meant that they were another generation older than I was. They did not understand what I was going through. Luckily, I had music that saved my life. Um, I was a musician from the time I was seven until I was about 22. Um, and I majored in music in college at first. And then I dropped out of everything because cigarettes became too important to me. Um, that went on for years. Um, and of course, I was a single parent and I needed to um, really address the fact that nobody else was gonna take care of me. Uh, my parents didn't quite take care of me. Um, I learned that I needed to do it all by myself. And boy, 
did I think that I knew how to do it all by myself. Pick myself up by my bootstraps and I was going to survive. And I had to scrapple in order to survive as a single parent in the San Francisco Bay Area in the 60s and the 70s. Um, and I finally, after Nutrisystem and the Atkins diet and um, every um, healthy diet came along, I participated in. Um, the one, the only diet that I not did not do was Weight Watchers, thank God. Um, but I certainly read a lot of their material. So I tried going to everyone, all of them. Finally, I found my way into um, the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous in 1983, I think it was at first. And of course, I went because somebody took me to um, an Al-Anon meeting and I realized that I was one of them. So I started attending Al-Anon and then I got myself to an, an AA meeting and I realized, oh, I'm one of them too. Um, <laughs> so I was attending a lot of Al-Anon meetings in Berkeley and Oakland at that time. And um, I realized that there was probably a program for us compulsive overeaters. And then I learned about OA and went to a meeting, but I just hated it. I hated it because I did not want to have anything to do with the word God. Um, if there was such a God, how did it, God make the world the way it was? Which was, I was very much involved in social just, justice movements. I was on the front lines of a number of different strikes, quote unquote, whatever that means. I was a, a union person as well. Um, I was on the left of the left, I thought of myself, and therefore I was a little bit special. <laughs> um, and I say that with laughter because I was just another bozo on the bus, but I did not know that. Um, I just thought that um, because I had a hard scrabble life um, coming from um, you know, a working class family and managing to get my master's degree, I thought that I had had it made. Well, I had a thing or two to learn um, in this program that I was out of control with food. And I say that with a lot of humility because I did all the stuff with food. I ate out of, I <laughs> didn't eat out of the garbage can, but I certainly retrieved stuff in the garbage that I shouldn't have retrieved. When things dropped on the floor and I really liked them, I was not proud that I would try to um, resurrect. I, I can't believe what I had to do with food. I also, at one time when I was absolutely destitute for money um, and um, did not have food stamps, um, I actually stole a steak from a grocery store. I was very fortunate that I did not get caught. 
because I looked like I could pass, if you know what I Well, I've been learning how to pass all my life because I'm queer. So um, that's one thing I am now proud. Finally, I'm now proud to admit. Um, but it was something that was not okay in the 60s and the 70s and much of the 80s. My wife and I were married for 32, year, 32 years before she died, but we met in an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. We lost our weight together during the first abstinence that I was on. I lost 75 pounds, got down to a, a weight that was pretty fantastic for me, but my spouse was not able to hold on to her abstinence and she regained it all the way back up and dropped out of the program. And I had to learn to keep my mouth shut. It wasn't my business, <laughs> but we certainly tried to do each other's inventories of our food sometimes. But we also learned to shut each other up. Um, and I say that because this program works if you work it. And I was able to work my program. And I was able to work with a step sponsor um, from 1986 until 1995. I maintain a weight loss of 75 pounds. Um, so that was the early part of my program. Um, in 1995, my, both my parents died. I lost, um, my house, um, my family home. Um, Marsha and I broke up, um, for about a period of six months, but it all came tumbling down. My life became a mess. And not knowing how to grieve, not knowing what to do um, about my life just went out from under me. Um, so I walked away from the program because I was absolutely overwhelmed. And as you probably might figure out, I regained all the weight that I had lost. And... I guess what brought me back to the program in 2016, as a matter of fact, February 16th was an anniversary for me in my recent program. And I came back. And in 2016, I had moved, Marsha and I had moved up here to the Washington area. Um, which is not the same as my home, which is the Berkeley area. Um, it was a hard transition to make. So it was a very new world that I was in up here. Um, I did not become abstinent um, right away. And the meetings here in this rural community were far and few between. I was able to go to one meeting a week. I did not really get seriously abstinent. Although I had come back to meetings and maybe had lost 15 pounds, 
but I came back to really attending meetings when I was able to find Zoom in March of 2020. And I started attending meetings all over the United States and hearing program and meeting people who were seriously working an Overeaters Anonymous program. And for me, I'm now back to where I was in 1986, the same weight that I, I uh, obtained earlier in my program. So that was me with my ups and downs of this program. But I also began to find um, a spiritual essence in my Buddhist community, which I have to say that that is my tradition that has helped me be able to sit with myself and learn how to be solitary and um, learn how to be able to recognize in myself that I am capable of maintaining a weight loss by recognizing the foods now that after, I have to say the majority of my adult life, I went numb. I was, you know, um, above my neck was where I lived. I did not live in my body. But in the past two and a half years, I have learned how to be able to address my bodily needs. That if I eat certain foods, it will cause me to be triggered to eat my binge foods, my addictive foods. So I'm learning how to pay attention to what it is my body is saying and needing. And that has, I've also consulted a nutritionist um, for somebody, she really addressed the fact that I'm in Overeaters Anonymous, and she looked at my age and all the medications that I'm on, and um, and I'm not on that many. I have to say I'm, and what it also, I've had this thing hanging over me was that I watched my wife die of diabetes type two kidneys stage four kidney disease. And she was an insulin dependent uh, type two diabetic. So having that up close and personal and being a caregiver of somebody who was so sick because of their compulsive overeating, um, it has been a real lesson that we can just eating our binge foods and living that lifestyle will kill us. And I got to see it. This is a deadly disease. And I admit that. I, if I had continued the way I was living, I would have died. There's no doubt about it. So my blood sugar is in control because I too have, I received a diagnosis coincidentally in 2016 that I am a type two diabetic myself. I don't have to take any medications. I'm not insulin dependent. I keep my blood sugars within range for me at my age. And I have to say that is a miracle considering how addicted 
I was to sugar. And I have to admit that I'm still addicted to the, to the sugar. I just don't consume it. I'm sugar-free. And once a week, I have my carb. <laughs> I have carbs once a week. And that's because I am learning that when I use anything that it has carbs in it, I have a high in my brain. I feel it. I go into a zone. In other words, I feel the fact that carbohydrates cause me to have a brain fog that is, it's so much easier to just sit back and watch the world rather than participate. Since I have given up carbs, I have to say that I feel more alive than I've ever felt in my life. I'm paying attention to the world as it exists in the present. I'm learning how to live in the present. And I'm learning that it is a very powerful experience to be present, not with my head very far distant from me. And living in the present means paying attention. And it's lovely to pay attention. I used to be afraid of it. And I have to admit that I have, I still have a lot of fear. Um, fear um, dogged me from the time I was a child and trying to perform a solo in front of everybody. I'm actually kind of an introvert, but um, I'm learning how to be able to um, be okay. Like to, just to talk and to you all has been um, nerve wracking for me. But I think I will come to a close a little bit sooner than somebody saying it's time because I think I'm done. But I think, um, and, and it's always much better for me to share when I really share. You have to be honest when you're sharing. And it's go so good to be able to be honest and to be exactly who I am in the present moment right now. So thank you for inviting me to share. And I hope I've been able to give back to you all what these rooms have given to me. Thank you. <laughs>